ask you a quick question? Sure. Given the opportunity, would you genetically engineer your kids? Oh, that's such a hard one. No. Oh, not at all. My moral standpoint, I'm just like, no. Would you do it? Yes. <laughs> um, uh, no. Absolutely not. As we talk about it more, I was like, okay, I can maybe see it. Like, Given the opportunity, would you genetically engineer your children? Welcome to Misinformed. I'm your host, Maya Reddy, and today we're talking about human bioenhancement. As a student who studies biology and genetic engineering, I am keenly aware of advancements that are being made in the field that could be applied to humans. However, much of the information surrounding human bioenhancement comes in the form of movies such as Gattaca, where everyone has been genetically engineered except a subset of the population, or Limitless, where only one person has access to bioenhancement and proceeds to become president with his newfound genius, and Spider-Man, where it was just a freak accident. As fantastical as these movies may be, it's also not too far from potential reality, and that scares me a little. It makes me wonder what I would do, given the opportunity to enhance myself or my future children, and it should make you wonder that too. Like it or not, the future of genetic engineering pharmaceuticals, and human biotechnology is not only fast approaching, but may already be here. Experimental procedures in China, pharmaceuticals that enhance mental capacity, implants that allow people to control robotic arms with their brain are all examples of human bioenhancement that have happened in the last few years. The prospect of literally editing humanity is horrific to some, exciting to others, and morally confusing to all of the rest. Today on the show, we'll be diving into the advancements of CRISPR, a genetic engineering technology, as it pertains to human use, exploring the societal implications of genetically modifying ourselves and our children, and asking people, what would you do? Because the reality of the fact is, that might be our generation's question to answer. I think the wild thing to think about is CRISPR really started in 2012, and that's only 10 years ago. And I'm excited for what CRISPR will bring in the future. It's already being used in some clinical trials. And I think what's great is it's going to hit um, genetic diseases. That's first. Dr. Thomas Clements from Vanderbilt University talking about a commonly used genetic engineering technique called CRISPR that he works with in his lab to knock out genes in zebrafish. His research is just one example of many that use genetic engineering technology that we may use on ourselves in the coming decades. The scientists responsible for the invention of CRISPR were actually two women, Drs. Emmanuelle Charpentier and Jennifer Doudna, who were the first pair of women to win the Nobel Prize for Chemistry. Shout out to my women in STEM. Their discovery of CRISPR, derived from bacteria, was groundbreaking. A common misconception surrounding genetic engineering is that it's like a light switch. It can either be on or off. But this really isn't the case. Yeah, so genes are a much more complicated process than you may think. I've seen a lot of movies now where they're just like, oh, like you said, turn it on or off. Like we know the gene that could make someone eight feet tall or could make someone naturally super strong. That's, it's definitely not like that. But when we think about genes, it's not that simple. So it's not as simple as like, oh, let's turn on this gene and do that. You have to be like, how can we dial it? What is the appropriate dial? According to Dr. Clements in The Limits of Technology, it will probably be impossible for us to genetically engineer complete traits like seen in the movies. There isn't a single gene for smarts or a single gene for kindness. 
It is probable that we will have a genetically engineered future, but the reality isn't going to be like the movies. Instead of going into the doctor and saying, I want my child to be top in their class, give them the smart gene, it will likely end up being more along the lines of, can we increase the probability that my child will have a high IQ? A bio-enhanced future doesn't seem too far away. Truly only ethical barriers stand in the way of a genetically engineered population. As scientific advancements continue to be made in the field of genetic engineering, we are met with a moral dilemma, to do or not to do, both on an individual and a societal scale. And maybe it should be easy. Maybe we should strive to make humankind objectively better at all costs. Or maybe we should continue to preserve humanity for what it is, flaws and all. But what effect will this moral divide have on society? What's really interesting to me, and something I didn't anticipate, was that the majority of my peers in the dining hall said no. Personally, I would not, no. No. I wouldn't. Oh, not at all. No. In all no. of my interviews and personal embarrassment from annoying people while they were in line to get their food, I only found one person that said that they would do it. The rest were an immediate and resounding no. But yet, when I'm not the weird girl asking about biology on a Tuesday afternoon, some people I talk to greet genetic engineering with excitement. Why is there such a variation in response to this technology? It seems, in some ways, excessively pessimistic and curmudgeonly to just say, no, 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 we shouldn't go there. If they're used judiciously, these things can really make our lives better. That's Dr. Michael Bess, a historian and the author of Our Grandchildren Redesigned, a book focused on society in the bioengineered world of the future. His book offers a fascinating view on all sorts of biotechnology, like medication that would make you more productive, microchips that would turn your brain into a computer, tools of genetic engineering that would allow my child to live life without disease, or do the best on the ACT without even studying. His book raises a lot of important questions pertaining to genetic engineering, like what good will this technology have? What bad will this technology have? How will our society adapt? And what are the implications of human bioenhancement past the initial jump of just doing it? Once you start looking at the bioenhancement applications, you realize there's all kinds of slippery slopes and gray areas it's not just one day you're just doing therapeutics and the next day you're bioenhancing. It's all kinds of little gradations and increments by which out there in the, in the complexity of the real world, people will start to find themselves making modifications where, yeah, it could under some ways be seen as treating an illness, but in another sense, you're also adding new capabilities that take the person beyond what they would have been better than normal. And uh, I think it's, so it's already begun and it's already upon us in a way that I would not have even thought five years ago or maybe seven or eight years ago, I would not have thought was possible. So that brings me back to outside our dining hall, hailing down students to ask them this question, what would you do? And I ask it honestly, because I still don't know my own answer. And I fear it'll be a question that we all face, whether it be in the form of a pill, glasses that allow you to see bionically, or procedures that alter our very DNA. Human bioenhancement is coming, and it's a barrier that once crossed has the possibility, the probability really, of altering the code of humanity once and for all. Knowing what I just told you, would you do it? Well, I'd have to. I'd have no choice, right? This has been Misinformed. I hope you learned something. Thank you so much for listening.